We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Mile High Huddle Podcast with your football priests, Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Remember, Broncos country is not a geographic location. It's a state of being. Welcome in, everybody. It's the Mile High Huddle Podcast. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, my fellow football priest, you know him, you love him, Zach Kelberman. Zach, you've had a day to uh, sit on the the Broncos-Raiders game, marinate on it, whatever you want. Work out your hormones, as I like to say. How are you feeling about things one day removed? And like, has your perspective at all changed since yesterday? No, in fact, I rewent and uh, watched the game back, and I still feel uh, the same as I did yesterday. The same takeaways were that the defense let the Broncos down. Damari Mathis, in general, let the Broncos down. VJ let the Broncos down, and the special teams let the Broncos down. There were so many players and factors at fault as to why they lost. But I came away thinking it was not Russell Wilson. It was not the offense. They averaged, I think close to three points per possession over six possessions. So if you extrapolate that to a normal game where they get 12 to 15 possessions, that's 27 to 30 points. The offense did their job. Russell Wilson looked really freaking good on throws that were completed and throws that went incomplete, like the one to door set down the sideline. That should have been a big completion. Yeah. Um, I still feel the same. I'm not throwing the talent on the season. I just am uh, maintaining confidence that the defense can find its way and the offense will continue to improve and peak. I think Russ looked a heck of a lot. Like to me, he had some obviously bigger statistical games last year than, than his, whatever, 177 yards and two touchdowns uh, yesterday. But his overall vibe, his overall comportment, the way he looked, his his apparent presence of mind and poise, that was the closest thing I've seen of the Russell Wilson I expected the Broncos were getting via trade. In other words, the closest resemblance to the nine-time Pro Bowler in Seattle, the guy who many argue – had built a Hall of Fame career before he ever got dealt from Seattle. But like I said last night, Zach, there's a there's just a little fraction of me that is a little reticent to f- just come out and say it, Russ is back. I want to see another game, maybe two. But I was really encouraged by Russ. It's unfortunate, like, the way games shake out sometimes, Zach, especially uh, the complexion of the game, however you want to 
whatever you want to say about it. But the second half ended up being so crucial for the Broncos because you had the Raiders and Sean Payton talked about this today, Zach, in his conference call after he's watched the film and spent time with coaches and everything. The, the Raiders flawlessly almost executed their defensive game plan on the Broncos, which was basically, hey, go ahead and take the underneath. We're going to keep our deep shell and we're going to go and let you have those five dollar uh, or five yard routes, whatever complete. We're going to tackle well, make sure those don't turn into 15 yarders. And uh, we're going to make you nickel and dime your way all the way down the field. Zach, that's what they did. Sean Payton, for whatever reason, didn't have an answer for that, even in the second half where things really hit a wall. I mean, he also talked about the lack of explosive plays. And, uh, you know, like you said, nickel and diming and taking what the defense is giving you. One common trope that's different from yesterday that I've spent the day kind of ruminating on is the fact that people think the Broncos don't have any playmakers on offense, on defense. If you look over the roster, they have plenty of playmakers on both sides of the ball. At some point, those playmakers, though, have to make plays. You know, Cortland Sutton has to show more fight for a pass. Justin Simmons has to actually pick the ball off or deflect it when he gets near it. He can't be almost, you know, Justin almost Simmons. So at some point, I think the coaches, for the most part, except for VJ, did a really good job as Brees Hall, or is that that's Brees Hall watching the Jets game. Uh, VJ aside, the coaches did a really good job putting the players in a situation where they can perform successfully. But at some point, those players have to take the bull by the horns, take the mantle, and step up and be the playmakers that the Broncos desperately need. And that's something, by the way, Mike, the Ronk in the house, so good to see you tonight, bro. Appreciate you being with us every single night, throwing down, supporting, contributing to the conversation. It really helps us keep this snowball rolling, and it definitely helps us keep the lights on here. So thank you, uh, Mike. Lawrence Rivera jumping in to say, what's up, guys? I am so embarrassed about the whole kicker situation. I know I've been harping on it, but man, anyone could have seen this coming. Yeah, this was there. Zach, there were portents of this throughout the offseason, especially, you know, once they made the decision to to go ahead and release Brandon McManus. The biggest thing being the first preseason game, both kickers, you know, that were competing for the job, missing kicks and you're going, oh, man, here we go. And then the guy that they anoint, the guy that they are like, yeah, he he's he did a great job. He won the job fair and square. Boom, you're gone, Brett Maher. And by the way, Will Lutz, come on in. So like if there's, you know, you, you allow the Raiders, Zach, if you're Sean Payton, to extend their winning streak to seven straight, that's 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 a little bit of a, you know, egg on your face. But the biggest egg on his face right now is he was the mover and the shaker. He was the impetus behind this whole kicker shakeup. And so far, it has done nothing but really backfire. And I get it's only one game. There's time yet. He said he was confident post-game. He said, I'm confident that, you know, Will's going to get that figured out. He was surprised by the misses. Well, the missed extra point anyway. So we'll see, but he's got a point there. I mean, he was also the impetus behind the VJ hire as well. I I never claimed that Sean Payton was perfect, and I think the VJ hire, maybe the kicking situation, are two blemishes thus far on his resume. Fortunately, you know, they have the entire season. They have 17 more weeks to correct it, and I think based on Sean Payton's comments today, talking about the lack of pressure, talking about the defense kind of wilting, talking about the no sacks, it sounds like he's – told Vance, listen, this has to get tightened up. We can't continue on because the offense did their part. Don't look at the point score. Don't read the box score and focus on that and base your analysis around those factors. If you watch the game and you see how um, efficient the, the 
Broncos were. They scored on four out of six drives. And again, if you extrapolate that over a normal game where they have double the possessions, that's a 27, 30 point game. That's more than enough for the defense to uh, clinch it out. And that's something we were trying to help people understand last night, understandably in a very emotional gut reaction. Everyone's emotional come, whether it would have been, whether it was a win or if it was the loss that it was, everyone's going to ride the emotions in the immediate aftermath of the game but one thing we were trying to help people understand yesterday was oh look you know only 16 points here we go again the more things change the more they stay the same etc and it's like well you got to kind of understand a little bit drill a little bit deeper into the context of those points the context of the game the complexion of the game and as zach said three first half possessions three second half guess what raiders only had six possessions too you don't count the kneel down at the end of the second quarter um, so six possessions, six possessions. Here's something odd that Zach, I learned reading, uh, uh, Luke Patterson's takeaways article from last night, both teams, this is easy. You can see this part in the, in, in any box score, both teams achieved 22 first downs. Okay. Here's where it gets weird. Both teams achieved those first downs in exactly the same way. In other words, uh, it was something like, yeah, 10 passing first downs for both teams, uh, four or six, whatever I, Six rushing and then X amount penalties, okay? How bizarre is that? And Sean Payton was talking about that as well today, just some of the weird anomaly outlier aspects of yesterday's game. Not as an excuse, but just kind of like, you know, weird thing. The bottom line, Zach, is the Broncos missed field goal in the third quarter on their first possession of the second half. Then they get a field goal. Great. Then their last possession where you got to keep the ball uh on the field, you got to stay on the field if you're the offense. They go three and out and punt, yep. never to get the ball back again. As Jimmy G does what he does, and that's where you you can't peter out like that. You can't run out of steam in games that matter. Sean Payton, another thing I really resonated with something he said last night post game. Look, in the NFL, the exception to the rule are teams that blow other teams out. The NFL is king for many reasons. One of them being Zach Parity. Most of these games in the league, look across the scoreboards, they're, desi- they're, they're decided by a single score. In other words, what he's saying is we have to figure out and learn how to play our best ball and come up with our best plays, you know, call our best things, whatever, in those critical moments because that's, those are the teams that get ahead in the league uh, compared to those who don't. Listen, we all know it's way more fun to be there live for Denver Broncos football. And when you need tickets – Ticketmaster's got you covered. As the official marketplace of the Denver Broncos and the NFL, Ticketmaster gives you more ways to find your perfect seat with a wide selection of tickets available for every game. And if your plans change, Ticketmaster gives you more flexibility to sell or transfer your tickets. Plus, mobile tickets make getting in on game day a breeze. And you can even customize your Ticketmaster app to rep your team's colors, that beautiful orange and blue. Find tickets today at Ticketmaster.com slash Denver Broncos. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, you know what? To be fair, I, I do believe the defense lost the Broncos the game, the defense and the kicker. Um, but Sean Payton wasn't perfect. You talked about running out of steam. I mean, that showed itself in the in the offensive side as well. They looked like gangbusters in the first and second quarter, and it seemed like they got a little conservative and went into a little bit of a shell in the third and fourth quarters, and I always hate that. I don't care who's coaching. I don't care who's quarterbacking. you got to step on your opponent's neck for all 60 minutes. But when you talk about context mattering, yeah, they only scored 16 points, but four out of their six possessions ended in points, which is a massive improvement from last year. And also, they had an opening drive touchdown. Now, Chad, mm-hmm. pop quiz, hot shot. When's the last time the Broncos had an opening drive touchdown? Shoot, I don't. I couldn't even tell you, bro. Two thousand and eight. <laughs> Fifteen years. So really? Sean comes in year one. I, it's what I read on Twitter. So it's, I'm, just, I'm just trying to think back to some of those Peyton teams, but I mean, it wouldn't. It wouldn't surprise me. Go on. It's that's what I, I was going to say. When's the last time we saw that? And it's been exactly 15 years mm-hmm. since we've seen that. So you can already tell the Sean Payton influence on offense is paying off. They were far from the problem. They did not lose the game because of the offense and they did not lose the game because of Russell Wilson point blank period. Yeah. Just a quick shout out to big Earn saying go Broncos country only kicker. Gots to go Kareem Jackson. Uh, hello. Good to see you tonight. Big Earn. Uh, George Fox, what's up, bro? He says, at some point in the game, we need to put the ball down the field, not just dink and dunk. The defense needs to blitz Denver Broncos for life. Well said, my friend. We'll talk more about that. Taylor, in the house, thank you for the super chat, big dog. Really means a lot to us. You know this. He says, add to yesterday, VJ needs to be fired again. He was fired for a reason the first tenure. But with Peyton as head coach, I have confidence we will win. Go Broncos. You know, it's... It's so weird, Zach. Perception, right? And that uh, that cliche that perception is reality. Well, again, 17 points in a macro sense. If nobody saw the game, they'd go and they didn't see a box score. They just saw the end score. They'd go, wow, BJ's defense holding forth. Sucks they kind of came up short, but 17 points. All right, all right. In the context of the opponent had six possessions only. Um, and managed to score 17 points on those six possessions, it doesn't look quite as good, right? It, it loses some of the luster of, say, holding any opponent in the NFL to under 18 points is, you know, a modest achievement. Mike uh, Evans in his Good, Bad, and Ugly, I love reading his stuff. 
former Super Chat superstar turned bona fide killer writer at, at Mile High Huddle. He was given VJ's defense props. You know, hey, we got to figure out a pass rush, of course, but giving him props. So perception, you never know. I think there were some pretty clear um, vulnerabilities that the Broncos, that the Raiders exposed to the Broncos. Yeah. And if they don't get on top of that quick, it's going to become, uh, you know, the trend to do to the Broncos what the Raiders did yesterday. It's I'm, I wasn't shaking my head at you. It's so frustrating, Chad, because you're echoing a, a narrative that I've seen on Broncos Twitter and then, you know, Broncos comments and stuff like that, that the defense wasn't the reason they only allowed 17 points and VJ mm-hmm. did his job, but they couldn't get off the field to save their lives. I mean, yep. ask Kareem Jackson, he admitted that they couldn't get any pressure on Jimmy G who is not exactly the most mobile quarterback. They couldn't get any sacks, despite this being the deepest OLB room that VJ's ever had. Uh, And they, like his usual defenses and like he's become known for, they wilted when it mattered. They could not make a stop in crunch time. They had multiple chances in the fourth quarter to get the ball back, and they couldn't do it. But Chad, this is who VJ is. And this is the point I made to you when they rehired him. He's always, and this is not my opinion, this is all numbers and facts. He's always had a bottom half ranked defense, except for one year, one year that he seemed to build his whole career around. One year. Aside from that, he's always been subpar. His defensive philosophy is bend but don't break, but more often than not, they're bending and breaking. This is why I was so skeptical of the rehire and why a year later I really miss Azure Evero. Time will tell. Either way, Ejiro wasn't staying. He didn't want to stay. It was a curious decision to hire VJ. And I think his bend, don't break general philosophy could work for the Broncos if and only if they can figure out how to manufacture pass rush in the in the pass rush situations, which was sorely lacking yesterday, like pathetically bad, pathetically bad. Steve Hale, what's up, dude? Very generous super chat. Thank you, my dog. He says, another big Semper Fi boys right back at you. He says, couldn't agree more. Our big names need to make bigger plays. Loved the thought of, of getting Russ out of the pocket more. I was actually very impressed with Samaj P. Ryan as well. Yeah, P. Ryan averaged north of five yards per carry, and he made a couple of plays. I mean, the second biggest play from scrimmage for the Broncos, a 20-yard play. Uh, Want to guess what the number one biggest play from scrimmage was? How many yards? 21 yards. All right. They only had two 20 plus yard plays yesterday. One to was Samaje. Um, but yeah, he was he was impressive. Man, they they grinded Javante. Um, it'll be interesting to see what kind of balance Peyton ultimately strikes with the running backs in the backfield moving forward because it kind of not this doesn't take anything away from Pookie. Samaje, there was one play on third down where he very made a bad vision decision, tried to cut back and got tackled short of the, the marker where if he would have just gone north, he would have easily gotten it. But you got you to gotta figure out how to balance those guys' touches. I want to see more from P. Ryan. That's what week one left me feeling like. He's a dog. I mean, capital D-O-G, dog. He was ripping off chunk games. Uh, chunk gains, excuse me, carry after carry. And um, I really liked his power, just constantly moving the pile forward. I was always a fan of the signing, and I think him and Javante will, will work, work well in tandem. He talked about something that we talked about on the podcast later in the season 
when defenses are starting to get tired and the weather's cold, that one-two combination, the body bruisers, uh, him and Pookie together, are going to be a big boon for this offense and make games much more winnable. I was very impressed by him as well. Phil, down in Tucson, proving Broncos country is not a geographic location. It is, in fact, a state of being. Appreciate you, Phil, saying good evening, Chad Zach and Deacon Scott. I read Caden Stearns is out for the season. Any update on Dulcich? Hashtag Buckham MHH for life. Thank you, bro. I mean, we titled the episode around Stearns being out and Dulcich, and we're now 16, almost 17 minutes into the stream. We haven't talked about it. Zach, your reaction to the news that Stearns' uh, patellar tendon, if I remember, yeah. uh, torn, done for the season, What that? how that impacts – not just the safeties, but the defense overall, and then just tell people what, what we know about Dulcich. We don't know anything as of yet. Uh, Sean Payton, who's notoriously tight-lipped when it comes to injuries, all that he offered today was that Dulcich is uh, getting an MRI, and they're awaiting the results on that. So I don't know if no news is good news or what's going on, but we have not heard word one about Dulcich. Stearns, I feel sick about. Uh, we might disagree on this slightly, Chad. I, I think you said yesterday that he's not – it's not going to shape the season, the fact that he was lost, but just his coverage ability, his playmaking ability. I think he had four picks in 21 starts for the Broncos. And going from him to Kareem Jackson is a major downgrade in that department. Though they can weather it. They have Riley Moss coming back. Uh, they do have J.L. Skinner, who's you know a rookie, but he's progressing, I guess, nicely. So it's all up to, in the defensive secondary specifically, it's up to Simmons and Sertan. You're two big guns, but the overarching pressure is on Simmons to me because he's the highly paid guy and he's still at times like we saw yesterday almost there not quite just almost making a play and coming up short it is looking like a prescient decision though to bring Kareem back uh, I think Kareem mostly played well yesterday one of the things that Peyton talked about after the game um, yesterday was it after the game or today I don't recall anyway one of the things Peyton has said since the game was one of the things that cost the Broncos was too many penalties, right? You want to get that cleaned up. And then when he was talking about how end-of-game situations can resolve in a win or a loss and how the margin is so thin um, in the NFL in that regard, talked about, and you could tell he was talking about Kareem, how penalties can really torpedo uh, your ability when it's that close. And, and just how often teams, you know, a, an NFL game, how often it comes down to a team either – in a two-minute drill trying to get the points needed to win or a team, a defense in a two-minute drill trying to defend a lead and, and keep them off, keep them from scoring, you can't afford lapses like that, and especially from a 14-year vet. So he did have a good game. I'm glad the Broncos brought him back, um, but you need a little bit better poise in those situations. And, and I get it, snap bang happens in a blink, but like, you should know by now, Kareem, especially in critical situations like that, you got to you've gotten in so much trouble with the crown of that dome of yours that you got to you just got to be smarter than that. Sorry. It was ticky tack. I'll say that if you go back and watch the play, the uh, the guy who caught the pass was like lowering his it was Jacoby Myers. He was lowering his head already and it was a bang bang type of play. But as I talked about yesterday. That's the reputation that Kareem Jackson has as a headhunter. And when you have that reputation, it precedes you, it follows you, and the refs will judge you accordingly based on that. Like Wolfie, enough. what's up, dude? Uh, thank you, buddy. Says, if the kicker made all four missed points on the and, a, 
and the last penalty, we win. Are we still talking about how our defense is? Well, yeah, I mean, the defense defense was a very complicit in week one's loss. Um, but you know what, Zach, if they had all four, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to, of those points, the missed extra point and the, uh, missed 55 yard field goal. What was the final margin? So 17, 16, one point. Do you remember where the Raiders ended that, where, where they were when they kneeled down? I'll tell you, uh, they were on the Broncos 27. So that game, if those kicks were made, which again, I agree that they were a big factor in the loss. If they made them all, the Raiders were about to tie the game. So going to overtime or whatever, Broncos maybe get a chance to get it back. It's a, we'd never know. It's happened in a different dimension, right? An alternate reality. But the kicker, here, here's how I would uh, weight the per- big perpetrators of week one's loss, Zach, I would say. I would say kicker that that was kind of a gut punch early and it just kind of gave a little bit of a weird vibe for the game defense tack defense, no pass rush defense, uh, sloppy tackling and then offense petering out in the second half, which also kind of dovetails with the kicker problem, et cetera. So it is the NFL it's, or I should say it is football, Zach, these things, they are symbiotic, you know, the three phases of the, of the game are so crucial to have in balance and and uh, all carrying their own weight. Yeah, and the Broncos simply aren't a good enough team where they can afford to make mistakes and still come away with a victory, especially in a tightly contested divisional game. You know, the Raiders or any other team in the West is always up to face the Broncos, and they are trying their damnedest to win. But Woofy, you know, what's the old expression? If my aunt had cashews, then, you know, she wouldn't be my aunt. We can talk about ifs all day, but the reality is the kicker did not get those points. And, the you know, the penalty was the penalty. The Broncos did lose. And I think there's plenty to point the finger at, like Chad was talking about. I wouldn't point my finger at Russ or the offense, though. I like the uh, if ifs and buts were candy and nuts one. That's that's my favorite if-ism. Uh, the Papa Bear, David McElrath, jumping in. What's up, brother? Says good evening, Broncos country. Chad, Zach, Dylan, Deacon, Scott, still twelve and five. He's still believing. He's saying, uh, he's channeling. I should say his inner Steve Perry. Some journey. Don't stop. Believe that's where the Papa Bear is right now. Appreciate you, big dog. He's saying Buckham times three. You demand, David. Really, really love the optimism and. Even if uh, it was worse than what it was, all right? Even if the Broncos lost 17-0, myopic negativity serves you not at all. You want to maintain optimism, you know, balance with with realism. You want to be pragmatic. I mean, Nick Nick is a very pragmatic uh, thinker, for example, which often gets misinterpreted, I think, by a lot of listeners as negative Nancy or – you know, skeptic, et cetera. Um, I'm, I like to take a little bit more of an optimistic tone. That's why I can appreciate a post like this, not to be blind to the realities of the situation, but guess what? If you don't believe you can succeed at something, you won't. So whether you think you can do it or not, you're right. Wrap your brain around that. Love it. Love the movie quotes on the on the MHH podcast. And I'll, I'll kind of further a point that I made uh, last night, you know, the 
Giants got trounced for anyone who didn't see that game 40 to nothing against the Dallas Cowboys. And that was at New York. That was a home game for them. The Seattle Seahawks, everyone's favorite around these parts. They lost 30 to 13 against the Rams, a team that many thought would be picking in the top five. The Bengals, a Super Bowl contender with the highest paid player in history. They lost, I think it was 24 to three to the Cleveland Browns, a team that many don't see going very far. And if you ask anyone from those teams and most people from those fan bases, they wouldn't say the season's over. They're not jumping ship. They're not throwing in their towels. So why should the Broncos be any different? It's one game, one week. It sucks. We hate losing to the Raiders. It was an unideal result and the way it turned out, but it's still only one game. A lot of football left to be played. It's funny that you bring this up, Zach, because I'm not going to name names, but a friend of mine in this business reached out and we were talking about something via a text thread today. All right. And, uh, he said, Hey, uh, a tough loss for Denver yesterday. Already looking better from last season, though, so maybe that's a moral victory. And I said, yeah, but the fans, uh, tell that to the fans, you know, who have been dying for seven years, etc. Response, surely fans wouldn't overreact after the first week of the season, question mark. Division games are always tough. They'll be fine with a win next week. Then we get back, Zach, into the ifs and buts, candy and nuts. If they win, he's saying when they win, but it's an if, it's the league. Maintain the optimism, though. Expect a victory. Claude, what's up? And by the way, Claude, going off. Tim as well on Facebook with the stars. Thank you guys so much. Claude saying, what's up, fellas? The sting of yesterday has dulled a bit after uh, paying all my lost bets. Four snaps for Rodgers. Uh-oh. Uh, well, I'm glad to hear the sting has has subsided a little bit, my friend, Claude. Appreciate you. We'll see uh, what happens with Rodgers here. Tim as well again. Thank you, Tim. What's up, guys? Russ looked way better than last year. Finally, the O-line looks great. The runners don't fumble. That's another thing that, um, you know, with a little bit of time behind you, and I'll tell you guys right now, I haven't rewatched the game yet. Um, but with a little time behind me, the offensive line was significantly better than what it's been in years past. And even though McGlinchey gave up a, a sack um, on Russ to a great play by Max Crosby, I'm very encouraged, Zach, by what we saw from the O-line. 94 rush yards in a game that only had six possessions. Really, really nice to see. And for the most part, Russ was protected. I mean, the Raiders got a few pressures here and there uh, and sacked him twice. But, again, encouraged something to build on, I think. The pocket was way cleaner overall. I mean, Max Crosby, like we talked about before the game, he's going to get his. It's just a tremendous talent, and you can't keep him completely off the stat sheet. But I thought the interior was decent. You know, Cushionberry got pushed around a little bit, but it wasn't anything too uh, egregious. Uh, Quinn Miners had a hell of a game, especially in the running game, paving the way for Samaji and, and, uh, and uh, Pookie. So it wasn't the worst effort. Definitely something to build on, and uh, better than what we, what we better than what we've seen in the last couple of years. Now, real quick, before we grab Naj, I want to give you guys an update because we are now on the 11th day of September. Which, by the way, September 11th, we all know what this date means uh, for those of us in the U.S. of A. And uh, before this episode is out, we're going to do a moment of silence because it's been. 22 years. Is that right? 22. I don't math that well. 22 years. Do you remember where you were on, on 9-11, Zach? 
Unfortunately, yeah, I was in seventh grade. I was in going into second period social studies. And um, my first period teacher came into the classroom with, you know, the breaking news, obviously. And, and we didn't understand what was going on at that age. You know, no one really yeah. knew the, the severity of it. But then I got uh, pulled out of school early. I remember just spending the whole day watching the news and, and not believing what was, you know, coming before my eyes. I'll, I'll tell you real quick. And then we're going to do an update on the Super Chat Contest. I was uh, in college. I was in like year one of college, I think. And I was working a part-time job doing phone sales, right? Uh, to have a little, a little walking around money. And um, we, it was a job where like a robot dialed the phone. So like it was one of those, if you've ever had a telemarketing job where like you hang up and all of a sudden, and it's ringing immediately. Like they just kept it grinding and no one was answering. It was really bizarre. And then finally someone answered. This is before, Zach, the proliferation of cell phones and everybody, caller ID and everything. And you just kind of, your phone's actually telling you this is a suspicious call don't, or, you know, uh, whatever you call it, a, uh, brain farting this. Anyway, uh, like my phone will tell me if it's a telemarketer or whatever. They didn't have that back then. They had caller ID, don't get me wrong, but the caller IDs were very basic. Finally, a woman answers. I start going through my uh, my pitch as I'm supposed to. She cuts me off. She goes, don't you know what's happening right now? And I'm like, huh? No. What are you talking about? Turn on the TV. And she used an epithet and then hung up the phone. So I hollered down the, the floor to someone. Hey, turn on the TV. And then I saw it. And I'm like, oh, my goodness. Business ends, of course. That's it. We're under attack. Uh, so, I, ugh, man, that was a horrible day. And uh, we will have a moment of silence before uh, this episode is out. Uh, real quick, here's the update, though, guys. Let me let me drop this. Uh, 11 days in, you guys know the drill. We take the top 10 finishers on Super Chat in the given month. Their names go in a hat. The winner gets a Broncos jersey, choosing, gets to choose a Broncos jersey, um, whichever one they want. So here's how it ranks right now. FA is at number one. Been going off, going off the chain. Uh, the Lady D, Deanna Hendry at two. Gary, the swashbuckler Palmer at number three. Naj, who we're going to grab next at four. Zeus McPeak at five, tied with Ethan, a.k.a. the DWI guys. Jasmine, the Duchess, Michaela Parker, and Troy tied at seven. And then rounding out the top ten, Gregory Vendeland. And you can see just a couple of the names, Patriot Techs, Chief Braided Hair Brady jumping in. So appreciate you guys. And, uh, you know, we're, we're one-third of the way through the month. So. Still time yet if you don't see yourself or your name in, in the top 10 there. But we appreciate each and every one of you guys. Naj, what's up, bro? Curious to see how you're feeling one day removed. He says, hey, brothers, this one still stings. I think the Raiders may be one of the worst teams in the league. So what does that say about us? I will continue to hope and believe. But, bros, it's tough. We absolutely cannot go 0-2. Yeah, 0-2 would be pretty tough and devastating from a vibe and just kind of an overall um, momentum perspective, Zach. But one thing I want to say, and then I'm serving this back to you, about the Raiders, and that you're right, Naj, they could end up being one of the worst teams in the league, but that all goes out the window in division games, especially in the AFC West. Um, you know, you just can't account for it. It's it's divisional matchups, and they tend to always they, – they tend to, Zach, have uh, – Depending on the team, they can have outlier type results where you see upsets more often than you would expect to, or teams playing better than they do against outside opponents, etc. So, your thoughts for Naj? 
I, I mostly agree, Naj, on paper. They're not nearly as talented as the Broncos. And, you know, their, their defense, especially outside of Max Crosby, is pretty forgettable. So maybe one of the worst teams will have to wait and see. Uh, but coaching, coaching, coaching. You know how I feel about that, and it really is the difference maker in a close game, a divisional game, a, a hotly contested game, what have you. And if you look at the coaching matchup or mismatch that happened on Sunday, it came down to Josh McDaniels versus Vance Joseph. And I hate to say it, and I it bears repeating, that Josh McDaniels took VJ to the woodshed. He outcoached him, he outgameplanned him, he outclassed him completely. So I'm not worried about the offense. And in, in terms of going 0-2, it's a little bit of an easier matchup when you're welcoming Washington into Denver as the Broncos are on Sunday. If only because, like Chad was talking about, it's not a divisional matchup. It's not the first game of the year. A lot of those jitters and the hype was all dissipated uh, yesterday. So they can play, hopefully, a little more free. They can play a little more loose, and they can just – tighten up on defense. If they do that, which is not an impossible ask, even with VJ, they will emerge one and one and have a chance to salvage the first quarter of the season, which as we know, Chad is so crucial. They get out to a hot start. It's almost like VJ from his uh, four years competing in the NFC West and going against Jimmy G twice a year and all that, that he was like that, that very much kind of colored the game plan for him and, but it's like, hey, man, you got to put pressure on that dude or else, I mean, he's very similar to Derek Carr in the sense that the ball usually comes out pretty that gum quick. And uh, I think VJ played a little too scared on that front. And like we talked about yesterday, it's like they were acting like Jimmy G is Tom Brady when it comes to beating the blitz. And it's like, come on now, you know, you got to pick and choose your moments. Sure. But like Drew Sanders didn't even see the field. What happened right. to using him as a weapon? Right. You didn't even bother with him. Exactly. Like it just the defensive game plan in a lot of different ways was a little out of whack. And I want to grab this real quick from Jeremy. Uh, always in the chat, always contributing great points to our conversations. He says a year ago, we were being called buffoons. We looked pretty competent yesterday. Good even. Yes, it's important to keep perspective. Agreed. Uh, my dad. All right. Shout out. Mark Jensen, you know, not the most uh, he knows football. Don't get me wrong, but he's not like the most educated when it comes to like reading the blogs, you know, reading the film breakdowns. He doesn't really read much during the off season, but when it's football season, yeah, he's watching the games, he's following things. And uh, he called me, he called me today. He's like, what the heck dude, what's going on? This and that, right. You wanted to hear my thoughts on the game. We talked for a minute and he, he said, well, look, wasn't the result we wanted the the Broncos only scored 16 but it looked different don't, don't you think it looked different and so I helped him understand you know what the, what does that even mean does it look different and it speaks to what Jeremy's saying here it just looked like a more competent um poised team overall that will bear fruit as this season continues to march on because the system's still seeping into everybody it's still being assimilated the expectations the culture change everything it's still a little bit of a work in progress. And we were hoping, Zach, that in this first quarter of the season, which was the softest stretch on their schedule, that they could win more than they lose as they go through the trial and error learning curve process and kind of shorten that learning curve if possible. But it might not be in the cards to completely 
you know, exploit this soft schedule because that there is the, the matter of chemistry, cohesion, everybody getting on the same page, everybody soaking up that culture and every, the expectations of the coaching staff. So just stay patient through this first four games because that's another hallmark of Sean Payton, Zach, is not always the hottest starts his teams, but they yep. end up being factors, you know, in the season. So don't become too negative, Nancy. So happy you raised that point. I read something earlier um, that dated Sean's history back with the Saints and his teams traditionally always started out either one and one or oh and two. And like you said, they get better as the season goes on. And, you know, quite frankly, you don't want your team peaking in week one. You don't want your team peaking in September. You don't want them peaking in October. You want them peaking in November and December and preferably January when the real football uh, takes place. And I feel like the Broncos will get to that point. It was one week. The end result, again, no one likes losing to the Raiders. No one likes having a seven-game drought where the Broncos just can't find a victory. But if you look at the context of the game, if you look at the offense and not just read the box score, I'll amend something I said earlier. It was the first opening drive of the first game of the season of a season opener since 2008 but still we hadn't seen that in 15 years we didn't even see that in the Peyton Manning years Chad Sean Peyton comes in year one with a supposed broken Russell Wilson and accomplishes the impossible they are making strides and when the offense isn't the problem when the offense is actually carrying the defense even for one game it's a good situation to be in because at least on the defensive side of the ball we know they have proven talent that will eventually peak as the year goes on and if memory serves, Broncos opened against the Raiders in 2008. Jay Keller. How weird is it, Zach, that 2008 was 15 years ago? I mean, that season, you guys all remember that big game week two, the controversial end of that game where did Cutler fumble, didn't he? But the refs ruled that he didn't. The touchdown, the two-point conversion, he and Rivers chirping at each other across the field. And five months later, he was a bear. Went to the Pro Bowl that year. It was looking great. They ended up, you know, squandering what was a really great start to the season by losing their final three, and that's what got Shanny uh, ultimately fired. But it blows my mind that was 15 years ago. GLP, Gary, bro, love you. Thank you for the super chat. You know it means the world to us, big dog. Hope you are doing well. Thank you, Gary, as always. Uh, Okay, Charlie, what's up, dude? Good to see you. Uh, looks like you might have been at the game yesterday. Um, appreciate you being in the chat and throwing down some stars, my friend. Um, George saying, I didn't care for VJ's defense before, and I don't care for it now. I'm with Zach on this. Denver Bronx for life, MHH for life. Yeah, he's got some splaining to do, as they say. Um, but the biggest thing here, again, like the, the style of defense that VJ favors, uh, which is um, man coverage a lot of too deep and a lot of, uh, you know, Wade Phillips-esque kind of pass rush philosophies. Definitely not as aggressive a play caller, obviously, as, as Wade Phillips. And it's not just, Zach, are you as aggressive as Wade Phillips as a play caller? One of the things that separated Wade Phillips from so many of the better defensive coordinators uh, of, his, of his era, which is a long time, he's been in the league a long time, was his gut knack for calling the right play in the right moment, just that feel as a play caller and uh you know that's a hard you you can't really teach that it's just something that a guy either has or they don't sean payton's a guy that has it uh wade phillips a guy that has it gary kubiak mike shanahan those are guys 
we'll see if that can be a better developed trait, Zach, for VJ moving forward because the game he called yesterday was very uninspiring. I was going to say, yeah, it's not about blitzing versus not blitzing. It's about having situational football awareness as a coach. And that's why VJ was so terrible as a head coach because he has so little. I mean, you see Damari Mathis getting worked over and over and over. Make an adjustment. Why wasn't PS2 on Devontae Adams the entire game? Why wasn't Drew Sanders on the field for one, even one defensive snap? That's what I'm looking for in a coach, whether it's an assistant, coordinator, head coach, whatever. Sean Payton has it in spades. VJ has none of it, and it came out yesterday. Jonathan, the J-Fig in the house. Thank you. Two nights in a row. Love it, dude. We've missed you. He says, we will correct penalties, and the defense will bounce back. The offense needs to get aggressive and trust in Russ. We're really missing Bradley Chubb. He's saying Bassey, shut down cornerback. Um, yeah, I mean, it just hasn't been the same since Chubb was shipped off, and that's saying something because it's not like Chubb as a Bronco was some game wrecker. You know, he had some spurts. Um, he had his Pro Bowl year where somehow he made a Pro Bowl with seven sacks. Yeah, uh, really bizarre. Seven and a half, I, actually, I think it was. Uh, but, Zach, they got to figure something out on this pass rush thing. As as uh, Scott brings up in our private chat here in the control room, Randy Gregory finished with an assisted tackle. That's it on his, on his docket, right? Definitely has to be better when it comes to the pass rush and setting the edge and just being a presence, Zach, on the edge. Yeah, like Scott said, you need more from him. You're, he's the $70 million player, you know, on paper anyway, and he's not cutting it. And I, I've talked up a big game for Randy Gregory in terms of what he can bring to the table, but that did not come out yesterday, and definitely he needs to step up. I want to talk about his saying Bassey, though, and give him some props. I haven't been his biggest fan historically, and he stepped up yesterday for K1 Williams and shut down Hunter Renfro, who was invisible from the, the box score yesterday, he was invisible from the game flow. So I want to give Isang Bassi credit for doing that. What Damari Mathis couldn't with his man. You know who else I hope to see more from yesterday was Zach Allen. Zach Allen was a little bit of a disappointment to me. He was solid in the run game, um, but Wither is the interior pass rush and pressure. David, what's up, bro? Appreciate you. Good to see you. You know how much we really, really uh, do value and appreciate the the support, my friend. He says, missed kicks, bad tackling, and too many penalties tells you why we lost this game. Great show, Chad, Zach, and Scott. Yeah, we haven't talked enough about how much the penalties factored into this whole meal you, Zach. A lot. I mean, anytime you have 10 penalties, no matter – uh, you know what they are and especially where they're at what point in the game they're called it's going to impact your chances of winning and the last one was the backbreaker for Denver I, I said it was ticky tack the KJ uh, personal foul but like you said he has to have better decision making in that moment he has to know better and you just can't win when you shoot yourself in the foot that was my third key to victory for the Broncos in this game no self-inflicted wounds and they had self-inflicted wounds by way of penalty over and over and over Death by inches. Yeah. Yes, indeed. Um, some of that I attribute, the, as far as the penalties, some of that I attribute to opening game jitters, not just for the players, but for the refs too. Like, you know, refs get into a little bit of a rhythm when it comes to how they call games and officiate as well. So I, I do expect that to be improved. It's one of the hallmarks typically of the Sean Payton 
a Sean Payton coach team is, is disciplined. So I hope that and expect that to improve. Uh, Phil, did I miss something? Didn't we have a first and goal from the eight and didn't run the ball once? <clears throat> um, well, let's, let's look, let's take a look. I'm trying to remember that series. So let's see first and three from the three. So it's not that possession. Stand by. I'm, I'm taking a quick look here, trying to be thorough for you, big dog. Uh, on the, let's see, first and 10, first and five. No, that's not it. Does this ring a bell to you, Zach? I, I don't know the context uh, that Phil is talking. I don't know the point that Phil is trying to make in, in terms of, is it Peyton's play calling? Is it the, the effectiveness of the, the passing game? I don't recall. Here it is. Exactly Here it is. Sorry. Sorry to cut you off. Uh, fourth. Uh, let's see, Denver first and 10 from first and eight from the Las Vegas eight, Russell Wilson passed short to Troutman three yard gain second and five from the Vegas five Wilson incomplete pass to Brandon Johnson third and five from the Vegas five incomplete short, right? Will Lutz 24 yard field goal. Good. So, uh, that was the one field goal that the Broncos had in the, the one score the Broncos had in the second half. I mean, if the point he's trying to make is the Broncos didn't, you know, cinch the game there, didn't, you know, have the killer instinct, I agree. And that's what I wanted to happen. I even tweeted about it. I said, this is the time to go for the kill shot and put this game away. But we talked about it yesterday after so many years of losing, and it's cliche, but it's the truth. The Broncos have to learn how to win again. They have to regain that killer instinct. It has to be natural, and they can't think. They have to just do. It didn't come out yesterday. Hopefully, it's a learning tool going forward. I think what he's trying to say is why did the Broncos not run the ball anywhere on that three plays, right? From the first and goal on the eight, that's typically prime run the ball real estate, which I do get what you're trying to say. Um, and it is kind of bizarre because this happened in the fourth quarter and the Broncos up until this point, Zach had gone away from what was really working for him in terms of moving the ball which was really capitalizing on the short passing game. And they had kind of gone to a, more of a dogged run the ball approach. And then in the, and this is probably why if you're trying to get, put yourself inside the mind of Sean Payton, they're going to expect us to run here. So we're going to throw didn't pan out. They had to settle for three ended up being one of the kind of second half turning points anyway, for how it all shook out. I mean, it's we can all play Monday morning quarterback. No offense, Phil, but if Lutz makes his kicks or the Broncos defense gets a stand at some point in the fourth quarter, we're not even having this conversation, even with that sequence of play calling. So it's you're a hero if it works, and you're a goat, the bad kind of goat if it doesn't. Doug, appreciate you, my friend. Good to see you in the chat tonight. Hope you are doing well. Um, you know we appreciate the support, big dog. All right, we're at 47 minutes. We got to go here soon, gang. So anything... You want us to get to get it in the chat, but if you're just joining us or if you've just joined us over the last few minutes, Caden uh, Stearns, who exited the game yesterday, carted off, done for the season, safety, with a uh, torn patellar tendon in his knee, really a bummer. Uh, and then Greg Dulcich, we're still waiting to learn what the injury is and the timetable on him. All we know at this point, Zach, at least as far as before we went live tonight, was having an MRI, waiting for the results. So that's something Sean Payton typically uh, 
He doesn't give information on that until he absolutely has to. In fact, yesterday after the game, he was asked immediately to update Stearns and update Dulcich, and he said, I will never, ever update injuries whatsoever after games. So, like, for what it's worth, maybe file that away because I never, ever will answer those questions. But, Zach, real quick, I want to riff off something that the Mile High Dutchie said earlier that he thinks this probably spells doom for Stearns as a Bronco. How do you think this overall impacts his, not just his Bronco career, but like playing football in the league for money? I want to just uh, tack on one thing to Dulcich. We know that the body part that's ailing him is his hamstring. And it's concerning because hamstrings, as we talked about with Jerry Judy, they tend to linger and they're so uh, re-easily aggravated. And Dulcich came into the NFL or at least started his rookie season with, you guessed it, a hamstring problem. So hopefully good news there and it's not too serious. In terms of Caden Stern's future, that torn patellar, it's almost on par with having an Achilles injury in terms of if you're a player that relies on explosion or, or working in space, it's tough to come back from that. The lateral agility and the stop start is uh, directly affected. I pray that Caden Stearns will have a full recovery, but um, if you follow the pro football doc on Twitter, David Chow, he says long road ahead, similar to Jamal Adams and the injury that he dealt mm-hmm. with, the safety from the Seahawks. So hopefully he'll participate in the 2024 offseason program, but it could be a, a case where Caden Stern's career was cut short. The good news is for him in terms of I'm sure he's not going to give up on his career. It happened in the first game of the season, which who knows? I mean, Javante Williams is a freak. He healed miraculously fast. Maybe this new staff can help kind of put some of those things uh, that work for Javante to effect. We'll see. But I like this from Jeremy. The whole if it's and butts were candy and nuts. If it's and luts were candy and nuts. <laughs> Very nice wordplay. I appreciate it, my friend. But guys, we're out of time. We got a few messages for you, and then we're going to dip on out of here. Another tremendous episode of the MHH podcast. If you're not doing so, please follow us on X, Twitter, whatever you want to call it. At the MHH pod, you can follow the main account, the mothership, as it were, at Mile High Huddle, Chad at Chad and Jensen, myself at Kelberman NFL, and Scott, our producer, at Scout Kennedy. If you guys want some merch, Buckham merch, MHH merch, hats, shirts, everything you can possibly desire, check it out at mhhmerch.com and also leave us a like on facebook.com slash mile I huddle pod if you haven't done so also on instagram at mile underscore high underscore huddle and if you haven't make sure you're leaving your football pre a five star review for a chance to win some of that merch each and every single month but if anything please subscribe like and share this video and every video you see on the mhh channel it really helps us grow and reach more broncos fans just like you Amen to that. A shout out to these great Super Chat superstars and supporters tonight on YouTube. We are talking about Taylor, Steve Hale, Woofy, David McElrath, Naj, GLP, Jay Fig, David Wilder on Facebook. We're talking Claude Riley, Tim Hoffman, Phil McLaughlin, uh, George Fox, Doug Raquel, Charlie Young, Mike Ronquillo, Lawrence Rivera. Facebook leading the charge tonight. We really appreciate you guys. And uh, keep your chin up this season just beginning. Don't let a loss to the Raiders in a weird, tight-fought game uh, cost you all of your uh, optimism and hype and expectations and excitement for the 2023 season. 
Before we say goodbye, though, moment of silence. It is, in fact, the 23rd. Man, time is weird. It's a flat circle. Anniversary of 9-11. Moment of silence for the lives lost, all right, on that fateful day. Love you guys. Appreciate you. Uh, we'll see you again Thursday night. Have a great start to your week. Catch Broncos for breakfast tomorrow morning. We're back at it Thursday evening. Talk to you then. Take care. And as always, go Broncos. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.